Hey everybody from beautiful Cardston, Alberta, Canada. My name is Dave Miller and welcome back to the Mentally Ill Mentor podcast where we discuss the secrets of how you or someone you love can begin losing the mental weight and building the mental muscle you need to crush your anxiety, depression, thoughts of suicide, and all other kinds of mental health challenges. And can I just tell you, I love you. I believe in you. And regardless of how you currently see yourself, the truth is you are a beautiful soul. You are a wonderful, talented person. Your worth is infinite and your life has a purpose. And you know, for over 20 years, as I struggled with my mental weight, I felt crippling anxiety, deep depression, intense thoughts of suicide, and a sense of self-hatred that was so powerful that I wouldn't have wished it on my worst enemy. But after getting in shape mentally, I now see myself for who I really am. And I am now on an all-out mission to show you who you really are too. So thank you for being here with me again today. Well, I want to talk to you today and share a true story. I was speaking, uh, it was actually on the phone, because of course with COVID we haven't always met in person with things, with um, a fellow that I get counseling from, and he's really excellent. And I don't know where confidentiality necessarily begins and ends. I like to share lots of stuff about myself, but maybe he doesn't want that shared about himself. So all I'll tell you about him is that he's really good at what he does. And we were having this counseling session, and he had uh, given me a homework assignment from our last counseling session that we were then discussing in uh, this most recent counseling session. And the homework assignment was just simply to do this. He said, what I want you to do is to examine in your own mind and be aware of some of the negative thoughts that you're having that are kind of harsh and critical towards yourself. Um, and then secondly, when you have those types of thoughts, write down, and so he's saying write down what the thoughts were initially, and then write down the accompanying feeling. So a very interesting thing happened. So at, directly after that counseling session, I wrote down several things um, over the next, oh, must have been probably a couple hours or so because this is on the top of my mind. And I found, wow, um, I was talking, if you want to put it that way, pretty negatively towards myself. My inner critic was like, wow, definitely in charge upstairs in a lot of ways and was kind of taking over things and seemed to almost be in control. And of course, the feelings that went along with that is interesting. There was actually a pattern that I found and which, of course, he uh, pointed out quite quickly when we began to unpack everything. And that was it seemed like the dominating feelings were along the lines of guilt and shame. 
and maybe even self-hatred, and I shouldn't even say maybe even, because it definitely was. So that kind of bothered me. Um, But as I, uh, so just to back up, um, as I continued to have this on the top of my mind throughout the week, um, I found that maybe just even being aware of it made a real difference in how much control my inner critic uh, had over my thoughts. And I found that the control was really minimized. Now, I know, and you know, ultimately, hey, we're in control. Like, we control what we think. But sometimes, because of these old patterns, and unfortunately, things that we may have learned in childhood, um, we can use this critical inner voice. And just by being aware of this, uh, I found that my inner voice was not quite so critical. So it was really nice. But I guess I have been a little bit concerned because I have looked at, uh, I guess, maybe fear of the future. Am I going to fall back into old habits? And so we talked about that, how it's not an overnight change. But one of the profound things that I wanted to share with you, and I'm going to read straight from my notes out of my journal in this past therapy session. And you got to know this uh, therapist, this counselor. He's so good. He's so kind of gentle, like many of the therapists, in fact, almost all of the therapists that I have worked with. And he said, 90 per- this is right out of my journal notes, 90% of mental health is how we talk to ourselves. And this is after I had shared with him, I think, four different examples. And it was very eye-opening to him, because he hasn't known me for years and years, to see how I was talking to myself, to see how this inner critic was kind of hijacking um, my thoughts. And so this is what he said. You know, he said, kindly, like in a very kind way, I want to let you know you're lying to yourself. And I thought, whoa, you know what? He has a really good point. I have been lying to myself. And those lies, and I actually (laughs) consider myself a really honest person, and someone who um, places a really high value on integrity and honesty. And so here he is telling me, you know, kindly, I want to let you know you're lying to yourself. And you know what? When he said it, I knew it was true. And it didn't even hurt, I guess, because it was almost freeing. And the funny thing is, the next thing he said was, the truth sets us free. So as, I, as I've been thinking about it, when he said 90%, that's a lot. 90% of mental health is how we talk to ourselves. So as I continue to try to put together puzzle pieces on how to be the best that I can, despite the fact that I have a weakness when it comes to my mental health, but to overcome it to the very best of my ability, I kind of had like this little revelation which said to me, hey Dave, (laughs) if 90% of mental health is how we talk to ourselves, then 90% of your problem can be solved by getting over this. Okay, so then he talked about some other stuff, but Before I go into that, 
I found an article on one of my favorite websites for getting information like this. So I'm looking all over for videos and stuff and whatever, uh, because sometimes I know you like to hear um, other people speak rather than just me. But you know what? TinyBuddha.com. I keep coming back to them because they have some of the best articles, and I found this one by Banu Sekundur. I hope I'm saying your name right. Banu Sekundur. Um, it's called Silencing Your Inner Critic. You don't need to torture yourself to grow. Now, that really spoke to me because sometimes the way I have spoken to myself, ouch. And as I read through the article, I'm like, whoa, this is me. Like, is this my twin sister who wrote this? Or maybe a photocopy of myself? So I want to read it to you. Um, because if you have ever struggled with feelings of shame, guilt, self-hatred, etc., I am betting, and I would like to suggest to you that a lot, maybe even 90% of what you're dealing with has to do with your inner critic, which really is your inner self-talk. It's how you talk to yourself. Okay. So here's a little quote at the beginning. You yourself, as much as anyone in the entire universe, deserves your love and affection. And that's a quote by Buddha. Very cool. Okay, here's what she says. I was tortured by self-hatred for most of my life. There were aspects of myself that I had a hard time loving. I didn't like that I am competitive that I was not a blonde with blue eyes, that I am not good at math or managing money. I did everything I could to hide these things. I was over-caring, over-helping, and over-accommodating with others. I think I did a pretty good job of not being myself. This created additional pain in me. I felt like Picasso, who was not allowed to paint, or Mozart, who was banned from approaching other musical instruments again. The funny thing is, I was the one doing it to myself. I was no longer a child under the mercy of my critical, perfectionist parents who were in pain and unconscious themselves. I had become my parents. I had become my worst critic. And of course, how do we criticize? Through our inner self-talk. I wondered, why am I so mean to myself? What could I have done in a past life or in this lifetime that could warrant such self-torture? Interestingly enough, even when I tried to conjure up the filthiest, sickest scenario, I had a hard time hating that imaginary person doing the crime. I had worked with criminals in prison. I knew their stories and what they went through. It definitely does not condone their behavior, but... I could see the chain of pain and lack of love that was passed on to them um, and then from uh, passed on to them and then from them. I just couldn't hate them. So like I'm reading this article before I uh, began recording and I'm going, yeah, that's me. Like I don't really hate anybody. I consider myself a pretty nice guy. But when it comes to myself, different story. If I could hate these if I couldn't hate these criminals, why did I hate myself so much? It seemed so illogical. Then 
I remembered reading about the inner critic. I looked into it further and started getting to know this beast. In addition to my inner critic, there were many parts of myself that had helped me survive. Okay, this stuff coming next is really cool. I had an inner protector, a hermit, a social butterfly, a flirt, and many other parts parts that served a purpose. For example, the flirt, she has in quotation marks, was helping me make friends and gain clients and extract the juice out of my relationships by, pl by being playful. The hermit, in quotations, knew when I needed to recharge my mental, emotional, and physical bodies. The social butterfly, quote-unquote, helped me find and attract communities that met my different needs. They all had a job to do, but they needed to be in balance. Some of these selves were created out of necessity when I was young and didn't have enough safety and kindness in my life. But I was no longer that little girl. Some of these selves were such loyal servants that they never had left me all my life. I recognized this with gratitude that came out of nowhere. Suddenly, instead of hating my inner critic, I felt a sudden sense of compassion for how hard she had been working to keep me safe from rejection, ridicule. Getting a little emotional here. Abandonment. And many other rational and irrational fears. I decided that I didn't want her to work so hard anymore. She had done such a great job. Maybe I was selfish, lazy, negative, arrogant, and bitter. So what? Aren't these all parts of me and personality traits that are so human? How many people do I know and love who have some unpleasant or unba unbalanced qualities or habits? Many. Their qualities do not make me not love them. These are their quirks. So then I came to the self-inventory. Self-inventory. Do I make a genuine effort to call myself out on stuff when I am conscious enough to see it? Yes. Do I make an effort to make amends with people I have hurt? Yes. Am I someone who genuinely wants to be a balanced individual who serves others? Yes. Then what is the problem? Does this mean that I was going to let it all go and be a mean, bitter, selfish, codependent woman? No. How about if I cut myself some slack? How about I practice being gentle with myself and give this poor inner critic a break? I no longer need to torture myself to grow. Oh, that felt good to say to myself. Try it. I'm going to say it to myself right now. I no longer need to torture myself to grow. Please, let's say it together. I, are you saying it? You think this is dumb? Okay, let's all say it together. Ready? I no longer need to torture myself to grow. Okay, she says, oh, that felt so good to say to myself. I took another deep breath to let this new reality slash belief set in. I felt freer and more loving toward all of life. I knew that I had to work at sustaining and integrating this new belief. 
I had in the past had big revelations, but had taken the wisdom for granted. Then I would slip back into old behavior and thought patterns. Back then, I didn't understand that our brain needs to integrate new concepts in the same way we learn a new language. This goes exactly along with what my counselor slash therapist taught me. I'm just saying this, Dave Miller, not in the article. So I immediately made a plan. It didn't have to be a perfect plan, but it had to be something I could stick to since I know that our brain learns by repetition. So I wrote down affirmations that felt right to my heart. I started running what what I love about myself list. I started writing down things I was even shy about. I love my hair. I love my toes. I love my sense of humor. I love my fragile, sensitive heart. I was finally on paper and it didn't look so bad. I started reading it out loud to myself every day and adding to it. Now, here's the kicker for me. My neediness toward people started decreasing. When I made plans to hang out with them, I noticed that my secret need was no longer to be comforted, approved, or supported by them. I was just open to every encounter for what the exchange would bring for everyone involved. The shift wasn't overnight, but I kept at it. The more love I felt for myself, the less love I gave my full attention. Uh, The less I gave my full attention to my inner critic, the happier I became. My energy shifted. People were attracted to me as clients and friends. And after three months of isolation, I was being invited to parties, camping trips, and concerts. I picked where I wanted to be and who I wanted to be around. I listened to my inner child and followed her nudges. Okay, then she talks about some other stuff here. I think we're doing okay for time. I'm going to zip through it because, man, this is a well-written blog post. And, man, such wisdom in here as I'm sure you are agreeing with right now. Number one, get to know your inner critic, its voice, and its intentions. Activate your observer self and listen to what is being said as if it was on the radio. Recognize, and I'm going to rec- I'm going to say recognize what, what, that what you are saying to yourself is an old tape, repeating the criticism of society and the people who raised you, to ensure your emotional and physical safety. It is running on autopilot. Number two, take some se- take some time to yourself. Go deep inside. Explore what you could have done to deserve this much self hate and criticism. Look for an example of a person or a situation where you can't hate someone who made a mistake even if you wanted to. Let your brain help you find proof that you don't deserve your self-criticism. When you find it, you will create a crack in that thought pattern. But that alone is not enough to break it open and get it to release. Okay, I like that. Let your brain help you find proof proof that you don't deserve your self-criticism. And when you find it, you will create a crack in that thought pattern. Number three, make a realistic plan. List three things you can do to raise your self-esteem. These can be as simple as, I will say I love you to myself 10 times a day, or I will look at myself in the mirror and identify the things I like about myself every morning before leaving the house. The trick is that they need to feel doable to you. This is your plan. You are in charge of what you want to do. Make it a fun and joyful one. 
So this is where I want to bring up meditation because you know how much I love meditation. Every single day, uh, ever since I started doing um, TM, Transcendental Meditation, I have never missed a session. And I'm just sharing that with you because I'm proud of myself. And I am also trying to get uh, to silence my inner critic. And so there, I said something about myself that I like, as uncomfortable as it felt. But I really need to let you know, when you look at being able to develop a self-esteem, uh, a sense of self-esteem that maybe you didn't get when you were growing up, and so you don't feel the best about yourself, which is why you have a problem with this inner critic, I have found, in analyzing it, that daily meditation has become, for me, not only an opportunity for me to recharge and reflect, but it has also become a great source of self-esteem. I would like to recommend to you um, that and suggest to you that if you begin a meditation practice and stick with it, if that's what you find works well for you, uh, I believe it is uh, important for everybody, but I really believe it can become a source of self-esteem for you as well. Okay, number four, stick to the program. I find that I get the best results when I keep track of it. Seeing a day or two, okay, this is interesting what she says, seeing a day or two of missing my exercises or meditation bothers me and motivates me to get back into it. Okay, exercise and meditation, two of my number one and two top things I do for mental health as Dave Miller. And here she's saying the same thing. Very validating to me. Very cool. Number five, start hanging out with people who make you feel good. These are the people who see and experience you as you really are. Let people who love you reflect the real you back to you. Start hanging out with people who could use cheering up. Reflect back to them how you see them. Cool. So it's kind of giving service, right? Getting out of yourself by helping others. I love that. Practice the balance of receiving and giving. Number six, final one. Know that you have the power to take the reins from this inner critic. Remember what I was saying before, how I felt like my inner critic was just like it was out of control. It was in control the way that I spoke to myself. This is so important. Know that you have the power to take the reins from your inner critic. It has been doing a great job, but it doesn't need to drive the car anymore. Once you decide this, the rest is pretty much practice and patience. Amen. My inner critic, my inner critic was so harsh that it was hard for friends to watch me hurt myself that way. But... I've learned to love myself, and you can do it too. Okay. And it says that Banu Sekundur, so it's her first name is B-A-N-U, last name S as in Samuel, E-K-E-N-D-U-R. Uh, it says she is an intuitive coach and a healer. Her passion is removing emotional, mental, and energetic splinters that create blocks to joy. You can connect with her on her website and her budding Facebook group, uh, Heart Alchemy Crusader Crusaders. Um, 
and her website is astarinthedark.com. Astarinthedark.com. Okay, well, I think we're going to leave it there. That is just incredible. I don't know what more I can say except amen. And I want to leave you with the challenge and me with the challenge to do one thing to begin to silence your inner critic. And if that one thing, actually, you know what? I'm going to give you the challenge that uh, my therapist um, gave to me. And that is this week, not only, uh, okay, let me start again. This week, what I would like to challenge you to do, what I invite you to do is become aware of what your inner critic is saying to you. So become aware of the thought like, oh, that was such a stupid thing to do. And how does that make you feel? Write these things down and then after a week, review them. Now, I really believe there is a magic and a power in doing this because a lot of times this inner critical voice is one that we're not even really that aware of. And so as we become aware of it, it begins to take the power away. But I also want to um, challenge you to... um, What? Oh, okay, hold on. I'm just having a little problem here with technology. I also want to challenge you to do those things in this article that she talks about. So number one, get to know your inner critic, its voice, and its intentions, right? Inner critic initially was trying to help you do good things, not get in trouble maybe with your parents, you know, trying to guide you to have the best life possible, but somewhere it went wrong. Number two, Take some time to yourself. Go deep inside. Number three, make a realistic plan. And that's what I want to do, and I challenge you to do this as well. To um, uh, make a journal and write down at least three things a day of things that you love about yourself. Number four, stick with the program. Number five, start hanging out with people who make you feel good and serve people as well, right? Hang out with people that maybe need a little bit of a lift yourself and that you can help them. Number six, know that you have the power to take the reins from this inner critic. Just one more time, I'm going to read what she says. It has been doing a great job, but it doesn't need to drive the car anymore. Once you decide this, the rest is pretty much practice and patience. Amen, Banu. And I'm going to leave it there. So thank you so much for being here again with me today. Again, as I always say, it would mean so much to me if you would take the time to share this podcast with your friends, your family. There are so many people out there who are suffering in silence and are looking for support. And it would also mean so much to me if you would just take a minute, subscribe and rate the podcast Leave an honest review. I love hearing all the nice things you have to say. And subscribing and rating the podcast also helps us. It helps it to get found better and helps us to keep producing the show. So we really appreciate your support. Uh, Last thing, if you're a book lover, I would love for you to check out my self-help book on Amazon. Just search The Mentally Ill Mentor and David Grant Miller on Amazon and poof. The paperback and the Kindle version will pop up for you to buy if you want to do that. Okay, well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much again for taking the time to be with me. I am so excited to meet with you again next week, but 
Before I go, imagine me giving you a great big Canadian bear hug and telling you, I love you. I believe in you. You are a beautiful soul and a wonderful and talented person. Your worth is infinite and your life has a purpose. Take it from someone who knows how you may feel right now. Things will get better. Hang in there. You'll be so happy you did. I love you. Bye-bye.